And welcome to another exciting episode of Historical and Mysterious. I'm Jay. And I'm Ian. And, yeah. <laughs> Hi, okay. Hello. Well, that, you How us. was, yes, that, how was your week, Ian? My week was very good, thank you. Uh, I actually have a couple of things. A couple that, of uh, events that uh, took little, place? Uh, well, just uh, things like, uh, oh, I'm very excited for next week's episode. Yes, tell us about uh, that. I managed to snag an interview. Uh, where I'm inter- we are interviewing a special guest that I got for next week's historical topic. Ah, um, who is it? For well, the people at I home? will. I will. Oh, is reveal it? Reveal that it. You'll find out next week. Stay tuned. Yes, <laughs> sounds good. And we'll put it on Facebook and Instagram. And of stuff, course, so. of course. But I'm excited for that. Only a mystery guest. Um, yeah, a mystery guest for a history topic. Yes, yeah. for next week. Uh, and it's technically, uh, I wanted to do this episode this week or last week, but I just wasn't able to due to scheduling and of I couldn't course. get the interview in time and stuff, but it's oh, yeah. technically a topic that I wanted to do for February for Black History Month, but I'm going to do it anyway just because, you know, I'm fascinated by this character and, you know, yeah. wanted to learn more about her. And, well, and present more, yes, and learn more about her. But anyway, oh, yeah. so um, also the, uh, do you hear about the... Uh, the Florida high school students that protested. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, what do you what do you think of that? That's I think pretty it's bad. awesome. Yeah, I think that's, that's awesome badass. too. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I find it a. Uh, you see a lot of uh, congressmen like oh they're kids like they don't they're seventeen they don't know it. and then I'm like but then they're legally able to buy a gun at eighteen so yeah, yeah. we've had congressmen be like oh they're so young they don't really know yet and I'm just like wait a second yeah they're they're gonna exactly. buy a gun so in like you, age eighteen so basically in however many months yeah they're just gonna be so much more different. <laughs> I know the clock will hit midnight, and all of a sudden they're oh, they're eighteen. So oh, oh, okay. Now, hello, here's an yeah. AR-15, young. No, one. I think it's incredibly badass that they're standing up. Oh, and absolutely. That you know, and I think we're rising, a, and we're going to see a lot more something. Oh, yeah, a lot more changes. Oh, yeah, for sure. I I wish more schools did it, not yeah. just in Florida. But, yeah. Well, I think they're uh, staging some sort of like a not a walkout or anything, but it's for like every all the other schools. If any other student wants to participate, I forgot what the date is, but I think it's in March, sometime in March. Oh, we'll watch so it be spring break. I'm like, well, yeah. nobody's here anyway, so. <laughs> but I think they're going to do some sort of a protest <coughs> where it's like a national type of yeah. thing. So that would be pretty cool to see. Cool, and also, yeah. I think we'll see a lot more progress, hopefully. Well, awesome. Yeah, that was pretty much my week. Um, and working and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Payday was yesterday, which Ooh. it's always nice to have payday. Always a good payday. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good. Oh, and so we watched this movie. I showed this movie to you. Uh, I first read the book, uh, what, and then I let you. No. Oh, gotcha. I let you borrow the book, yes. and you really liked it. And then you told me uh, about the movie that about the movie, movie that they made. And of course, I'm talking about the Ritual Ooh. on Netflix. Yes, and it's been out for a minute now, but you know, we watched it together, oh, and it yeah. was really good. It's different from the book. The story is slightly bit, yeah. different. But I still think it rings really true to the book. Oh, absolutely. The essence of it. And it was it. good. It was, it was a good really Netflix, good. Especially it was really good. for Netflix movies, too, because they haven't been... Like, some of them are, like, hit and miss, you know? Yeah. No, like, and it was oh. a true portrayal yeah, of a to book. the essence of the book oh, and yeah. a lot of things creepy. that happened in the book, and it was creepy. <clears throat> it was really good. They did it really good justice. And then you showed me Heather's... <clears throat> 
<laughs> and then I yes, was, I showed you Heather's. Which was before we get to Heather's, oh. I am gonna take it there with our inside joke on the podcast. Oh, and I have this inside joke, <laughs> and it's the dumbest thing in the world, but it just makes us laugh every time, every time for no fucking reason. And there's this part where one of the guys uh, that's on the hiking trip in the ritual. If you've seen the movie. Or if you haven't seen the movie, spoiler alert and fucking whatever. Uh, he gets tied up to this pole thing as like a sacrifice to the creature in the forest. Yeah. And but it takes like hours. It takes like it minute. gets dark yeah. and, and they're all there standing it's a there process. behind him. And then he looks behind him and he goes like, What's happening? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? But the way he's yelling it, it makes me think of the Ellie Golding song. And then just in the middle of that intense moment in the movie where the music is building oh, yeah. up and the creature's going to come out, but you oh, don't yeah. know when. And then all the people go like bow down on the ground. And, and then all of a sudden I burst out right after he says it. What are you waiting for? <laughs> Love me like you do. <laughs> But it totally works. It totally works. Because the was, way he said it, oh yeah, similar to the I wanted. She's singing. I don't know. It was exactly similar. But it was just. I wanted. Cult. It's probably listeners are probably like, that's the dumbest. You wasted <laughs> precious podcast time. Why am I listening to this? Why am I listening to the show? And then that's <laughs> how we lost funny. a viewer. <laughs> this fucking gay guy talking about how he's making fun of some movie on Netflix. <laughs> oh, but it was good. It was but a good joke. Good so, quality. But here's the thing. Ever since then, I will just I'll, there'll be just a random it. quiet moment. I'll be like. What are you waiting for? <laughs> and you'll sing it too. You will. Oh, absolutely. Don't even act like. Oh no, I'm not acting. I would. I have a killer voice. I I belt it. Are you kidding okay, me? Okay, well I've are done you... it twice, and you've done it zero times on the podcast. So. Oh well, I just don't want to get copyright infringement. Thank you. I'm trying oh, to respect oh, Goldie. You think and her either of our renditions value. are in danger of being mistaken <laughs> as a? Okay. Well, they didn't have heard mine, Ian. That's why I'm not saying it. Oh. Because when they did, they're like, oh, "Who is that? Is that Jay or oh, Ellie Goldie?" Okay. I can't. I don't know the difference because I nail it. Thank you, but uh, <laughs> prove it. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, in other news, I <laughs> I want to tell the the podcast people uh, about that. We started talking about astrology. We got on the sub- subject of astrology. Did we <laughs> we when? did recently, and uh, on the podcast. No. Oh. It, this <laughs> it was just on our own, and. Uh, you didn't tell me, you forgot that you told me that you're a Gemini, and then you just said something, and I'm like, that's such a Gemini thing to say, and then you're like, how'd you know I'm a Gemini? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> I didn't tell him that I knew, because you told me, I'm like, yeah. oh, I guess you just act like one. And then oh, I think so I remember this conversation, and I was so offended. You were I like, was like, what does that well, mean, Well, because in a lot of circles, Gemini's get a bad fucking rap, the, dude. But the way I said, and too, I'm like, well, you just act like one, and you're like, what does that mean? And I was mean? like, well, what does that mean? What the fuck does that mean, Jay? What does it mean? And... <laughs> I got all up in your face. <laughs> you got very Gemini on me. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What the fuck? Okay. No, wait. Hold on. What the fuck does that mean? Nothing. What do you mean nothing? Why'd you say it then if it was nothing? And we reenacted it. That was a reenactment of what happened right there. Motherfucker. <laughs> but yeah, so I wanted to share that because that was legitimately funny because your face instantly turned up. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean, Jay? <laughs> Sorry. Right, yeah, that's... But I wanted to share that. memory for the week? That was my memory for the week, and it was great. Awesome. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, but, uh, 
the show this week is obviously it's historical mysterious. You are history this week. Yes, I am history for the week. And what is my history? history? Drum roll, please. Terrible. I can't. I can't. I mean, we have no. Rhythm. Listen, I'm sitting. I'm sitting cross-legged on in front of a coffee table that it's at an awkward height. I just think you're and making I'm a white guy. I have for no, no rhythm. rhythm. Yeah, no rhythm. And Let's just call it that. You have no rhythm. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so you can't blame me for not having it. I don't have that gift. <laughs> well, half-ass drum roll, and it is Robert Smalls. As my... As in you're killing me, Smalls. As in you're killing me, Smalls. And this dude is accomplished as fuck. I mean, damn. Okay. He, he went through some stuff. So... Uh, Robert Smalls was born into slavery in 1839 in uh, South Carolina. Smalls quickly learned the ropes, first working in a hotel to a lamplighter. Uh, in his teen years, his love for the sea led him to work on char- on this Charleston docks. So he worked uh, his way up as a dock worker to a sailmaker and eventually landed himself as a wheelman. Basically a pilot, but they didn't give that title to slaves, so they used the term wheelman. So this is just the guy who basically operated the, sh- the ship and, and the all. captain but not the captain but not really no because uh there's a term called the pilot and that's under the captain so he was technically a pilot but they didn't give him that title because he was mm. a slave uh so he became very knowledgeable about the harbor he did this very often uh and at the ripe age of 17 he married to hannah jones an enslaved hotel maid in charleston on christmas eve in 1856 and they later had two kids uh in 1861, when the American Civil War broke out, Smalls was assigned to steer the SS- CSS Planter, a military transport that helped deliver Confederate troops, weapons, and other supplies. So basically, this was his job, just like, and they had a lot of trust in him. They're just like, all right, you take the ship, you go this way. Of course, he was still yeah. viewed, there were still white officers on the ship, but he had yeah. control of the ship and where to take it and everything. So he was very trusted with this boat, and on the, na- uh, on the night of May 12th, uh, my birthday. <laughs> the oh, <laughs> right. The planter docked uh, <laughs> after a delivery, and three white officers spent the night ashore while leaving Smalls and the other crew member on board. And then they're like, "Wait a second. So they cracked a plan. Uh, at three a.m. on May thirteenth, Smalls and the seven other crew members planned their escape to go to the Union's blockade." So they're like, hey, we can get out of this Confederate land, go to the Union Oh, and this is during the Civil War. During the Civil War, pretty much the start of it. And they have this opportunity, they have this transportation, they can do this. So Smalls had the idea, he basically put on the captain's uniform with the signature straw hat and took off, uh, only stopping to pick up his family as well as other crewmen's families. So they're like, this is our awesome. chance to escape cool. slavery, work for the Union, and it was, I mean, uh, Smalls pretty much led this. Uh, they eventually made it to the Union uh, barricade, but the Union thought it was a Confederate ship. So they immediately... Well, it technically was a Confederate ship. Yeah. But, uh, so they thought it was coming to attack them. Mm. And uh, so they were just about to open fire, but they saw, caught a glimpse of Smalls waving a white surrender flag, and they they held off. They didn't fire any weapons. Uh, the escape plan worked. Uh, Smalls turned over all weapons and supplies to help their Union that was on mm-hmm. this ship. Uh and then the white officers were later. The white officers who uh, pretty much left the ship were later charged with leaving it behind and losing it. 
Uh, but it was overturned. They're just like, oh well, you know what? It's fine. They were just sleeping. Whatever. They basically forgave him. Uh, yeah, like could happen to anybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> exactly. Pat on the back. Slap on the wrist. Oh, you're white. It's fine. Uh, so you fuck up. Yeah. Smalls and his extensive extensive knowledge of the waters and the, where the Confederate troops were located uh, had a lot of valuable information. Mm-hmm for the Union, and it really helped him with a lot of the battles. So Smalls wanted to really take another step forward, and he wanted to be a part of fighting with the Union. But during this time, uh, African-American soldiers weren't really allowed to fight along the Union. Uh, So he was just basically became an instant hero. This must have been early on. Early on in the Civil War, early on. Because later on, that didn't really matter. And I'm going to get to that, because he actually is a key part of why that became a thing. Uh, oh. So Smalls became an instant hero. He was awarded, along with his crewmen, prize money that was about fifteen hundred dollars, but today it was about thirty six thousand. Uh, so that really helped him, and especially with his knowledge and everything. So then Smalls then kept pushing to be a part of the Union. He went to Washington D.C. to convince Lincoln to let black, uh, black men fight for the Union, and he was uh, successful in that. So he was basically a big reason why. Uh, African-Americans were able to serve for the mm-hmm. Union. And uh, uh, Lincoln signed off to let 5,000 African-Americans enlist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Smalls was was like, hell yeah, I'm gonna, I am want to be a part of this fight. And he was present for about 17 major battles and engagement in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had, uh, was also worked his way up to become a ship pilot. And he was doing that a lot for a lot of the battles as well. So remember, a ship pilot is not really a captain. It's one under a captain. Uh, so in 1863, uh, while aboard the planter, it was attacked. And the captain of the ship immediately uh, went to go hide mm-hmm. <laughs> under uh, in the coal area, under blow ah, deck. okay. Instantly like, went to hide. And uh, Smalls was like, we can't surrender. Like, yeah. uh, especially with the black crew members, they would not become POWs. They would probably be instantly killed on the spot. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, that's true. Probably. he took over, and he uh, led the planter to safety and the crewmen to safety. And after this entire thing happened, and he uh, basically avoided surrendering, he became captain of the ship. And uh, rightfully so, because I'm like, the captain... You have to be such a coward, <laughs> right? Yeah. To like, oh no! Like when things you're getting attacked, and you're like, I'm gonna go hide. I'll well, let everyone else get captured. You know, captain is supposed to go down with the ship, and he that's did not. how it always is. I mean, that's what happened in Titanic. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, even in that movie. So I mean, <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> so after the Civil War, Smalls purchased, and this is ironic, his former slave master's home, since when the Union won, I. Uh, he refused to pay taxes to the union. And so the slave master lost his home. And then Smalls was all like, what's up? I'm going to buy it. Uh, <laughs> he, like, he's going to buy. He bought the slave, his master's, slave master's house. Yep. And did he live in it? Oh, yeah. Lived in it. Oh, my God. That oh, is amazing. Right? right? <gasps> Absolutely. Oh, that is so amazing. I hope. Oh, we're taking all this shit down. I know, right? We're going to take down all these fucking paintings of these old He's white like, people. Bitch. We're going to. We're. Leopard. <laughs> leopard everywhere. <laughs> 
No, oh, no, no, not leopard. No, but and like, then so the former slave master gold in a classy way. Oh hell yeah! And the former slave master was all like, "What the hell? I didn't pay my taxes for it, but I want my property back." So he sued him for it. Of course, it didn't hold hell. Yeah, hold up in court. Like you didn't pay your taxes. Fuck off. What are you trying to do? Fuck you, off! You have no leg to stand on here. So Ugh. basically, this location is where he learned to read and write. He didn't originally know how to do all that stuff. Until well, after yeah, the Civil no, War. Back but, then, I mean, people didn't... Slave owners didn't teach... No, of course not. But I'm just saying how accomplished he was when it mm-hmm. came to, uh, like, different positioning and different, uh, like, sea stuff. Like, he was able to mm-hmm. get it down. So I was just thinking to myself, like, I would assume he would knew a little bit about that. But no, I guess... Uh, then he taught himself... I mean, he hired a teacher to teach I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all. Right. I mean, it reminds me a lot of how self-taught, like, your uh, prior subject, yeah. Matt Turner. Oh, yeah. A couple weeks ago. How he taught, yeah. How he hadn't had no formal education, and yet he outsmarted everybody. So, yep. um, but, uh, I mean, do- it really is no surprise. And so, Smalls went forward and purchased a two-story building to be used as a school for African-American children, which was pretty awesome. Like, so he was... And around what year was Doing this? Doing well, economically. About 1866. Okay, so... Around 1866. Pretty much immediately after the war. Yeah. So he had this money, and he's like, you know what? I can buy my... Fuck my former slave owner's house. I'll buy that shit. I'll also buy this two-story building to help give education to people. Uh, so he also bought a business as well. So he went into business with a man named Richard Gleaves. Uh, they basically opened a store together to serve the needs of the freemen. So just basically certain supplies <clears throat> and everything uh, to yeah. help people along. Uh, Smalls later went on to a life of politics as he was elected to the South Carolina House of Representatives, where he got a lot done as he helped pass the Civil Rights Bill. And this bill basically declared that all persons born in the United States were now citizens without regard to race, color, or previous condition. So he played a big part in that. And uh, he later became a senator in 1872. And then in 18, he basically climbed the political ladder, and he climbed it quick. Because in 1874, he was elected to the United States House of Representatives. So it wasn't just a wow. Yeah, it was the National House of Representatives. I mean, that's he served fast. Yes, he. I mean, he was a. But I mean, it's very easy to imagine that, given his track record and everything he was accomplished, even before he got into politics alone, he was a highly respected pillar in the community. You know. Oh yeah, he had a damn good resume for that, and very popular. Because of just, I mean, he had a whole he life a before he even got into politics. Oh, absolutely! So. so he went from slave to being a house, on the House of Representatives, which mm-hmm. is something that's phenomenal. Uh, he served two terms in the House of Representatives, and in uh, 1877, there was a scandal of sorts, I guess. Um, so, uh, conservative Southern Democrats who called themselves the Redeemers had resorted to election fraud so that it can that they can reduce the number of African Americans in political office. <clears throat> so he was a target. Funny, there's a little bit of that in my topic too. Oh really? On. Yeah. Ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> so just brief reference, but you brought it up too. So Yeah. So due to this effort, Smalls was uh, charged for taking a bribe five years earlier in connection with being a rewarding a printing contract or rewarding of a printing contract and so this was found out but he was end, ended up found guilty everything was pardoned when he made an agreement with these uh, democrats 
about uh, saying that he'll drop the charges against the Democrats for uh, election fraud if they drop the charges for him about this bribery. So yeah. both charges were dropped, but this led, definitely left a stain on his, like, for his political career. Mm -hmm. uh, because of the scandal, though, he was defeated for his Senate seat, and still, but still worked in politics where he served as a delegate in South Carolina Constitutional Convention. In 1890, he began to suffer from diabetes, and even though he was not really into politics anymore, he still had a lot of influence around his community. For example, in 1913, which is about two years before his death, uh, and he was suffering from diabetes and everything, so he wasn't doing too strong, um, there was a lynch mob that was forming, uh, and they were going to kill two black uh, suspects in the murder of a white man. And he basically went to the mayor and said that uh, he sent people throughout the city and they would burn it down if the mob was not stopped and the men and if the men don't get a fair trial so the mayor listened to him the sheriff also listened to him stop the mob and these guys were able to get a fair trial and they weren't killed mm -hmm. uh so but unfortunately in 1915 smalls passed away from malaria and diabetes he was 75 mm -hmm. uh in a, mom, in a monument to Smalls, where he is buried, he has a quote that states, My race has no special defense, for the past history of them in this country proves them to be the, the equal of any people anywhere. All they need is an equal chance in the battle of life. And that is on his headstone. So Robert Smalls was basically just a badass. He, he was a leader through and through. I mean, from slave to a politician and a damn good one at that and helped a lot of people and basically promoted a lot of edu education uh, mm -hmm. for black people. So he was uh, definitely a freedom fighter. And I don't, I haven't heard too much about Robert Smalls. Or a fighter for freedom. Ah, uh, yes. Not fighter. a freedom fighter. <sighs> yes. <laughs> exactly. But yes, that is my history of Robert okay, Smalls. Okay, awesome. That's cool. Yeah, huh. I wish. Uh, I mean, I w like as I say this every week, but I really wish that uh, we like learn that in like history class or something. Oh, I mean, what do you learn about truly notable heroic figures in African American history? Oh, but we yeah in general no. school. I mean, now I mean, there's there's we, African American studies that you can specialize in in college. College, but I'm talking about yeah. primary school. And I feel like nothing. We need, I know you we learn about Columbus. <laughs> well, like, and you learned that they were slaves, and uh, that was awful. Yeah, and that's about it. But yep, but and, and that's and some notable figures, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Rosa and, Parks and Rosa Parks. Oh and, yeah, and they're great and all, but oh, yeah. there's but so many more. Absolutely, and you know, little foreshadowing for next week. You know, we'll be talking about Coretta Scott King. Yep, and so. You know, that to me is another figure that, you know, is worthy in her own right to be talked about and will be Absolutely. next week. But, Stay you know, tuned. anyway, it's just that's always, the more uh, of that kind of history that I learned, the more it confounds me that it's it doesn't even make a blip on primary education's oh, no. radar. Um, but that's really interesting, though. Yes, cool. it was incredibly interesting. He lived quite the life. He was so I mean, accomplished. He lived My quite God. A few lives, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Awesome. Well, on to mystery, mystery, which is me this week. And this week, I am doing yet another mystery involving murder. Murder. It's just murder, murder, murder <laughs> with me the past almost Wait, month Wait, I think like three times, yeah? Yeah, almost month. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, You're first just like a girl a... who was murdered, and then a girl murderer, <laughs> and now a whole bunch of girls that are murdered. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to say a whole bunch of girl murderers, and I'm like, oh, damn, we got a pack I here. mean, that's next week. 
No. Um, <laughs> Stay tuned. Now I feel no, like I've implied something no, like that. A, a Coretta Scott King? No. Um, <laughs> Who would have known? Wow. That is a lot in her own right. <laughs> um, anyway, no. But this week I am covering, and this is also kind of to tie it to uh, black history, but a, kind of a darker chapter in oh. black American history. Okay. Um, the... I Okay, so basically what started me on this subject, before I get into it, is I recently started listening to a new podcast called Atlanta Monster. Gotcha. You heard of it? I have not. Okay, well, it's really awesome. It's by this guy who also did the pa- the podcast Up and Vanished, which people who love to listen to murder podcasts or true crime podcasts know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's really good, you know. Oh, it's got yeah. all, it's highly produced and got these sound effects. Oh, and, nice. You know, all that stuff. Fancy. And, oh, yeah. And uh, it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? Anyway. But it's about the Atlanta child killer from 1979. And it's really interesting. And there, I was doing some reading on that. And doing some reading on that led me to uh, another case also based in Atlanta. That's also around a murder uh, that is still unsolved, and it is known as the Atlanta Ripper. Oh, which obviously is coined after Jack the Ripper. Yeah, a lot of rippers in this. Um, yeah, serial killer a lot of families. rippers. Yes, <laughs> um, this is the southern one. Ah, uh. yeah, it's kind of like Ripper in true crime is kind of like Housewives on reality TV. <laughs> You know, you got Real Housewives of Orange County, Real Housewives of New York, Real Housewives of Atlanta. You got Ripper of London. You got Ripper of Atlanta. You got Ripper of Chicago. You got Ripper of New York. You know, oh God. all the Rippers. I'm just imagining the intro um, to the word Housewives, and I'm just picturing like a serial killer They're Ripper all holding man. knives. And he, he does like the twist. Wearing yeah. cheesy cocktail dresses. Exactly. He does the little twist of the intro and is all like has his little saying. I can't even think what it is, but it has to do with yeah. murder, probably. Mm-hmm. I hate the intro to all those shows. And the, and the little no. set. Oh my god! And the little phrases for each. One I of love them the that phrases. They say. Oh, I, I hate that. Phrases. I hate my, that my so fa- much. My favorite. Oh my god! My favorite phrase, and I saw it in a GIF, <laughs> is all like, "I'm the bat. I'm like the worst server. Why? Because I always spill the tea." And I was just like, "What?" <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, so i want that to be all right (laughs) that's enough what on with the mystery (laughs) so so the atlanta ripper uh was a series basically it was a series of murders that occurred uh in 1911 and i also it is arguable that they could have Continued on to 1914, 15, 16. He did the distance. God. Uh, possibly. Yeah. But right now it's just pretty much known, well not known, but believed pretty firmly that it's just around 1911. But there were enough in 1911. 15 to 21 murders in total. Damn. Was it like... Possibly. But did he have a pattern? Was it sporadic? Uh, kind of. In, in oh. ways. Yes. Uh, but to get into it, let's just start with the beginning, uh, just to set the scene. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia, in the early 1900s. Okay. You know. Yeah. Now, this is still less than half a century after the Civil War. Yeah. This is, you know, and this is still, we have some crossover into your topic this week with the early 1900s. Yeah. Toward the end of your topic story. Oh, uh- and we're beginning with mine. And in Atlanta at that time, uh, by 1911 specifically, uh, Atlanta prided itself as the, quote, gateway to the New South. And oh. the New South was basically uh, this idea that it was going to be this 
grand new place and a new southern future, especially for the black community to gotcha. prosper and rise, especially after the war and coming out of slavery and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, we, there were over a dozen uh, railroads that had come into Atlanta, which significantly increased the amount of business and jobs, and it also significantly increased the population. Yeah. So Atlanta was booming. Okay. Um, and uh, Atlanta... There was a quote or a slogan. It said, Atlanta always ahead. And this was local admins club motto for the city. So that's okay. basically the general attitude. Ah, so we're doing good. We number one. You know, yeah. And, uh, you know, life was good for some uh, black people okay. in the community. You know, there were business owners, you know, in shops and, and yeah. some small chains. And, you know, there was some success, yeah. you know, and stuff to be uh, – there was striving and stuff. Absolutely. But – you know, as you might imagine, in as ever in the sad reality, most African Americans in the community at that time were still struggling, working menial jobs, um, uh, and uh, even though Atlanta hosted a lot of black-owned businesses and colleges and churches and many different communal spaces and well as well as residences, uh, a lot of African Americans lived in one part of the city. And then traveled to another for work, as in, a.k.a. the rich white part. Gotcha. Um, they would work menial jobs such as being cooks and servants to white people in wealthy enclaves like uh, Inman Park and Peachtree Street. Okay. And then they would go back home at the end of the day, maybe a 10 to 12-hour shift, to dimly lit neighborhoods in places like, uh, you know, uh, Reynoldstown and Pittsburgh. Oh, not like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, yeah. But like the neighbor, yeah. Yeah. Um, while this was all uh, after the Civil War, like I said, Georgia still held fast to segregation, ris- racism, poll taxes to prevent voting in the black community, uh, anything really to disenfranchise them. Of course. Uh, and make life harder, oh, yeah. essentially. And strip them of their power. And their rights. You know, oh, we we don't own you anymore? Fine. So we're just going to make we're gonna life get you in every almost other... unbearable yeah. for you. You know, and Absolutely. not to mention all the day-to-day, you know, racisms and tortures of, you know, just... Oh, yeah. You know. It was constant. Uh, let's remember this is 1911 in mm. Georgia, so... Not too much progress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, cemeteries, you know... Uh, you know, if you're in the if you're in the South and listening, you know it's probably commonly known. Like in Savannah, Georgia, you have Bonaventure Cemetery, which is the white cemetery, oh. and then you have a cemetery down the road that's uh, quote known as the quote uh, colored cemetery. Oh, yeah. So Jesus, yeah. Even in death or segregation, my God. Yeah, and then you know, baseball teams, white baseball teams, oh, yeah. and black baseball teams did not play together. Black baseball teams were not allowed to play in the same stadium as a, a white baseball team. Um, parks were segregated. Uh, businesses, of course, you know, just the, all of it. Yeah, the segregation. Trade. Imagine the fifties, but times a hundred. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and then f- it was only five years earlier in 1906 that uh, there was this huge uprising. Uh, several thousand white men rampaged through downtown Atlanta, killing 25 to 40 black men. Uh, this was all because. Uh, there were four white women who uh, accused black men of raping them. 
Oh, and so they killed 25. Allegedly. This was yeah. all oh, allegedly, yeah. of, course. of course. Not proven, not... This no. is all... He did this! And then everyone... And then, oh, hell... And get then the pitchforks. They, and Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And this was in 1906. And then while these murders are... Ha- when these murder stars, 1911. So this is the kind of atmosphere we're coming from. Oh, yeah. Uh... You know, whites didn't want any, even though the city was growing, and it, at this point it was growing to uh, over 150,000, wow. whites did not want uh, black people in their neighborhoods, and they made many moves to keep them from moving oh, in. Oh, yeah. You know, and... Keep them segregated. When they did start moving in, they didn't like it, and they were campaigning against it. So when uh, black and mixed-race women started turning up brutally murdered, the white community, uh, and therefore the media at large, did not push for, to did not put much focus on the matter. I see. Excuse me. Um, so, and also, back then especially, but also much like today, unfortunately in the media, there was not much concern for what they thought was solely black-on-black crime. Oh. Petty yeah. crime. You know, oh, exactly. they just do that to each other. Yeah. You know, that oh, kind of I stuff. See. That's yeah, yeah, they... yeah. That's what they're thinking. Got it. Rather than serial It's killer, not very it's compassionate. Like, oh, no. And it's also not true. Yeah. You know, there's a real problem. Uh, and also, you asked about patterns earlier. There was a specific pattern for a long string for about, for about five murders in a row. The first five murders, um, he liked to kill on Saturdays. So oh. it was a kill once a week. It was kill before church. Yeah. You know how recently we've been releasing our episodes every Saturday? Yeah. He would release a kill every Saturday. <laughs> Um, Stay tuned for next week while yeah, I murder someone else. <laughs> I'm coming after you, girl. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. But yeah. And by the fifth murder, because Jack the Ripper had five canonical murders in his string, uh, this is what coined him the Atlanta Ripper. Gotcha. And people made started making the comparisons. And by the fifth victim, he made the front page of this. It was only by the fifth victim that he started, ma- started making the front page of the paper. He was like, wow, this yeah. is like super easy. I can just keep killing before they mm-hmm. even like say anything. Uh, yeah, and then it was only at this point, and even for some white people afterwards, that they started caring because some people would say, oh, well, they were enthralled by it. It was entertaining for them, much like Jack the Ripper for the wealthy part of London. Yeah. Uh, and also, some people even said things, oh, this is creating a servant problem for us. Yeah. What? Like, yeah. A, sor- a shortage of servants? I, I guess that's what it's alluding to. If I only all of our read servants keep statement. getting murdered, how are we going to have any servants? Jesus. So that's the extent of concern for... That is terrible. uh, Some didn't even believe it was uh, all one guy. They believed this was all a series of different individuals, even though all the modus operandi matched. You know, all the different things matched. They all had their throats slit, almost decapitated. A lot of them had their shoes removed, cut off from the laces. He was obsessed with shoes. Ooh, he's one of the feet guys. Yeah. And they were found drugged from where they were initially killed, a lot of them. Drug, drugged or? Drug. Oh, got it. Yeah. Um, so, sorry. Uh, so, dead air. Dead, what are what you waiting for? <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, I swore, okay, so before we started recording, I swore in this episode that if I ever caused dead air, I would just be you like, what are you that. waiting for? <laughs> And technically, that would be appropriate. That what was. are you waiting for? Yeah, read okay. the passage. Um, I'm just so some didn't believe it was all one person. They believed, oh yeah, like I was going to say, uh, it was isolated instances of either one murder or uh, husbands being abusive, aided by either whiskey or cocaine. 
Which cocaine and whiskey were problems back yeah. then, and cocaine was legal. But I just like how they they just came to that. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, it's oh, it's alcohol and drugs. Yep, it's the husbands beating up their women, <laughs> and, and in the black community, ob- you know, it's whiskey. And oddly drugs, killing you know. them. Yeah, oddly killing them the exact These same way as the last time. The media, it's propaganda that of they're course. setting against the black. It's all yeah. not to take it seriously. Yeah. Uh, and police and detectives were baffled. You know, by the time the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth murders came along, you know, people were like, okay, this is starting to get a little ridiculous now. It's not entertaining anymore. It's got to stop. And police and detectives were still kind of bewildered as to what was going on, you know. And, but also, you know, let's remember at this time, record keeping, especially in the South, for women and for women of color, um, was not pre- very good. No, they didn't so they didn't have a lot to it. go on, they didn't have a lot of records. Yeah. Uh, on anybody. It was all like. Yeah. If it was a white woman, they would. They didn't like, have anything to go on. Yeah. And uh, coroner Paul uh, Denehu states that the murders were all committed by the same person. You know, after his examinations wow. and autopsies. So while some people still disregarded that, a lot more people kind of gave it more credence that there was a serial killer on the loose. Um, and then there, uh, this is where I. I'm going switch to my, sources. Switch sources. <laughs> going to my computer, computadore. Uh, so on July 3rd, the journal, which is one of the Atlanta's newspapers, made a page nine mention that a local black undertaker, L.L. Lee, had offered $25 as a reward for the capture of the killer. 25 well, 1911. Yeah. So I guess that, that was like maybe 100. But maybe something. this is like out of his own pocket. So it's all True. like, hey, I'll give somebody, you know, and maybe somebody in um, the African American community saw something. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Did any leads um, come up? Any? Not really. Meanwhile, uh, papers throughout the country. Uh, intrigued by the prospect of another Jack the Ripper, but in America, oh. began to run, uh, be, be, ugh, began to wire stories uh, with, you know, the Atlanta Dateline. You know, oh. this is what's happening here. And, yeah, and the Ripper here. Exactly. The U.S. Ripper. Um, another set, uh, on Saturday night, on July 8th, 22-year-old Mary uh, Yeldell, which, by the way, is not the first person who's potentially a victim Yeah. Here left the home of W.M. Seltzer on 4th Street, where she worked as a cook. Uh, from down an alley, she heard a low whistle. She stopped, and coming toward her was a, quote, Negro man, tall, black, and well-built, and moving with a cat-like tread, unquote. Which sounds pretty creepy when you think about well, yeah. it. Yeah, what is it? it? Yeah. Uh, Yeldell uh, ran screaming back to the Seltzer house. Seltzer met her at the door and grabbed his revolver. He ran to the alley and found the man still standing there. But when Seltzer uh, told him to raise his hands, the man darted back down the alley. Seltzer called the police, who arrived on motorcycles, but their search turned up nothing. Motorcycles in 1911. Wow. I don't know what they look like. Yeah. <laughs> Probably really shitty. Um, but that's... Uh, yeah, very rudimentary yeah. bikes. Yeah, it's not very like safe bicycles either. with like a little motor. I wonder how many like how many times they they got injured on those. How many RPMs? <laughs> uh, but anyway, so that's actually a woman that escaped. 
Okay. Uh, within days, black churches in Atlanta had fattened the reward for the killer, declaring in a resolution that the, quote, foul and unpunished murders have placed a reign of terror over the laboring class of women of our race. And I like how it's, the, like, the black community who's putting out these rewards and trying to, because it doesn't seem like the police office, like, the police are really putting out incentives or any sort of rewards. No, It seems really. to be, like, not really. people I mean, out of pocket They're or trying churches. to solve it because it's starting to become an embarrassment. Now they're like, oh, damn, yeah. But it's like, uh, whatever. Yeah, we won't put in a reward out. We'll leave that to the churches. Uh, the reward was useless, though, pretty much. Oh, you know, it didn't really yield anything. Yeah. It just, I mean, if anything, it caused a lot of uh, false, you know, tips oh, yeah. and call-ins and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> so... If it were true, though, that the prowler who indeed approached uh, Yeldell was indeed the killer, his streak of Saturday night slayings had been broken. Oh. So she was probably going to be the sixth or seventh Saturday one. victim in a row, and she broke that when she ran back and to the house. And then he's like, I could never kill to again. him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, well, this did not. No, I know, I know. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could not, yeah, no, he didn't. He was like, oh, man, I guess he that's didn't it. <laughs> waste much time because on July 11th, a group of men working uh, on a sewer near the intersection of Atlanta Avenue and Martin Street, just west of Grant Park, came upon a large pool of blood in the road. They tracked the blood about 30 feet to a small gully where they found the lifeless body of Sadie Holly, who worked on a, at a local laundry. Her shoes were missing, and her throat had been cut so that she had been almost decapitated. Same M.O. Yep. Uh, clues were scarce. Uh, police found combs worn by the victim on both sides of Atlanta Avenue. Also found a two-pound rock smeared with blood. So her head had been bashed in. Bashed in, in yeah. And obviously she'd been drugged was, or carried somewhere or something. Was this on a Saturday? No. Oh, okay. Ooh, he's going off pattern. No, he's. This is off pattern. Well, she had broken that Saturday yeah. pattern. He's like, you know what? Fuck and it. I'm sure he's Every the type of person with that kill. type of personality. It's like, if if it's been broken once, it's like, well, there's no point in going back to it because it's yeah. fucking. It's fuck. She bitch fucked it up. Exactly. You know that. I'm sure that's the logic. Oh yeah. Um. So, uh, within 20 minutes of the discovery of this body, more than 100 onlookers had gathered. By 9 a.m. Yeah. By 9 a.m. When uh, Don. Donahue, the coroner, arrived. The crowd had grown to 500 people. Damn. Yeah, this one was pretty gruesome and just out in the middle of nowhere. Very Jack the Ripper style, too. Uh, because so many murders had occurred and because uh, even the police weren't sure which murders were the result of which killers, because some still believe there were multiple or if it was all one. Yeah. I mean, we're still dabbling with that idea. So exactly. So everything's up in the air at this point. Holly's death, the Ripper's seventh victim, while another called it his eighth, and another speculated it was his ninth. Shit. So, I mean, it's like, what's going on, The number's on, up guys? there, yeah. Um, and in any case, this all caused hysteria throughout Atlanta, specifically in the African-American community, which obviously, because all yeah. of the victims are black women or mixed-race women. Um, and police patrols were beefed up, uh, and there seemed to be a pattern where the killer was striking. Uh, newspaper accounts decreed the deaths, especially since all the victims, with one exception, I guess, uh, which I couldn't find the reason why, were all hard workers and generally respected by both races alike, a.k.a. their families yeah. and employers. <clears throat> um, and let me find that next part. Okay, yeah. Within 24 hours of the discovery of Holly's body, police arrested a Henry Huff, a 27-year-old laborer. Ooh, I'm 27. Ah. <laughs> uh, Huff had been seen with Holly the night uh, she was killed, and uh, 
he was arrested wearing bloody clothes and scratches on his arms. Oh, he did it. Uh Uh-oh. But Huff was only held on, quote, suspicion, and in the same Constitution story, Constitution being a newspaper, uh, that was described as arrest, the unnamed reporter seemed fed up. The, quote, police department has nothing to say in explanation of its inability thus far to cope with the situation, further than the simple declaration that it is doing its best, unquote. But he was found with blood on his shirt and scratches on himself. But that's not proof. That's circumstance. I guess... Especially but so early on, it's enough to ask questions. Oh, definitely. But it's yeah. still. But you can't. Did hold he have an alibi or anything? I mean, not clearly. I don't know what. I mean, uh, the story went on to say that the white community was aroused over the killings as well, like I described before, and uh, but they were also beginning to be fed up with the police impo- uh, impotence and you know yeah. lack of helping you know, knowledge really. and yeah, being able to do anything, do their job. Uh, Leaders of black churches urged city council and and the governor to set a reward for the capture of the killer. Their petition was endorsed by many prominent white Atlantans as well. Okay. So, you know, and as sad as that is to say, that meant it started to carry more weight. Oh, yeah. Uh, Not long after Huff's arrest, police also picked up 35-year-old Todd Henderson uh, at a saloon on Decatur Street. A man had seen Henderson with Holly the night she was killed a dr- at a drugstore not far from the murder scene. How many people she hang out with? I don't know. <laughs> Emily Sharp was brought to the station to identify Henderson. Emily Sharp being almost uh, another victim of the person she escaped gotcha. to, but she actually got injured. She was stabbed, oh. and her mother was murdered. What? But this is one of the people who was. I kind of when it came to the murders, I kind of came in at number five. Yeah. Emily Sharp and her mother were victims. That's some some Laurie Strode shit right there. Yeah. Jesus. Um so but, And so did she identify anyone? She yeah. But it? basically when she did, the papers reported it very in a not fair way. They you know, since she was a black woman, they were they made her sound victim blamed. No, they didn't victim blame. They made it, oh, well, she said it was this guy, but, you know, she's a black woman, so, you know, what we she still know? don't know for sure. And they also, they, they grossly misquoted her and changed her words and made her sound dumber than she was. And they made her sound like a Huckleberry Finn character of a black woman. Like, it's, like oh, gee, oh, here it is, the quote. Yeah, quote, gee, and I'm going to just read it the way they're intending because the way the words are spelled this is what you hear gee if i was was spelled w-u-z if i was jack the ripper i sure would have begun on my wife first she'd give me given me lots of trouble trouble spelled t-r-u-b-b-l-e oh i like how they're like oh we really want to serve like solve this murder and someone steps forward and they're like wait not you no someone else like what the fuck no and that's pretty much how they portrayed it so it, it, it's just the case against henderson grew stronger and when he he told detectives he hadn't owned a razor or a pocket knife which what is what they thought or knew was used to, to help decapitate her almost uh in a year he hadn't owned one but the police learned that on the morning after holly was murdered henderson had dropped off a razor at a local barber shop to be sharpened so that looks suspicious. Yeah. So there's things on both these guys that look suspicious. But could there could they both be the be killers? Working together, yeah. Although the cases against both Henderson and Huff remained circumstantial, police decided to hand over both men to the prosecutor in hopes that the grand jury would sift through the evidence and decide which man to indict for the murder of Sadie Holly. 
No. Uh, nevertheless, police themselves seemed doubtful they had gotten the right man. On Thursday, three days after the Holly murder, eight police clothes patrolmen, a plainclothes patrolmen, were assigned to night duty, and the police chief, Henry Jennings, explained the challenges his department faced in tracking down the killer, which there were a lot, of course. Yeah. Also, there was washing away of evidence. I mean, all those onlookers, you know, forensics at that time, which we're were better than they were in the 1800s, yeah. but still non-existent by comparisons yeah. today. Also, lack of records for the uh, the African American community. It was just a cluster. A lack of caring for other people in other communities. Yeah, so it was a clusterfuck. Yeah, and um, so I assume that the men got off. That yeah, and the trial. police community, even with all those challenges, still got a lot of flack from both sides for being inept, yeah. which they still kind of were. Yeah. But they also had it coming at them. So, um, but both of those men were found not guilty. Yeah, well, okay, so there were only around six people who ended up being arrested as suspects. There were no convictions. Gotcha. Jesus. Yeah. So. Now I'm just angry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And... So basically, the racism of the times was perhaps best displayed in the remarks of Nash Broyles, a city recorder. Broyles served as a local magistrate. Quote, there is no such thing in Atlanta as a Negro Jack the Ripper, unquote, Judge Boyles said at the trial at a black man named Jim Murphy, who was charged with the threatening to cut his wife's throat. Murphy was fined $25.75. Oh, uh, quote, it is just such cases as these that result in these murders of Negro women, Broyles said. I am satisfied that every one of the several Negro women slain recently in Atlanta were murdered by a different man. There are at least a thousand Negro men in Atlanta today who stand ready to cut the throats of their wives at the slightest provocation. Unquote. Oh, fuck yourself, sir. <laughs> what the right <gasps> yeah these are just all standalone accounts so this is pretty much what we're going against and it's just ignorance it's yeah. just blatant ignorance at that point like, and how i do could you... go on and on there are more details of but course. without going on forever that's basically the gist of it and there were more murders that it later on in 1913 and in 1914 and even a couple more years later that people want to link to this guy but i'm sticking with these murders Got it. in 1911 did they i i know you're sticking to those but uh, did they have the same like mo like was it the same like similar throat, yes either the, the same or similar gotcha okay damn but but not a saturday not some other patterns and i i like too, how it so. like it's a it's a clear pattern, and the judge is all like, mm, "No, it's just separate entities. These are all separate things, mm-hmm. separate yeah. murders." I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" That and that's kind of the thing that you know this it, case has up against it, especially at that time. The racism, and also, you know, that ensured that there would be a certain amount of time where it would not get solved. And as we all know, the longer a the case, case goes, goes unsolved, yeah. the more likely it will remain a mystery. And the funny thing is, too, I guarantee you, if they would have like taken more of an initiative from the get-go they probably would have found him they probably would have like did something if they weren't so just like oh we'll just wait it's probably just black on black crime it's nothing and it just keeps escalating and more and more people die but if they Uh would have if it was for if it white woman if this happened to white women they would be on top of it and they probably they probably would have found him no look well Remember the little anecdote I told about in 1906, five, a few years prior, where yeah. four white women simply 
alleged that they were raped by black men. It wasn't even true. Mm. And there was this huge uproar. And near um, 25 to 40 men were murdered. Yep. Lynched. You know, for, for nothing. Absolutely. Because of the color of their skin. Because of an accusation that was not even true. Probably. But we know that was not true. Yeah. So... A lot of instances, a lot of those women, when they were abused, it was because they were abused by their own white husbands, and they were too scared to point the finger at them, so they pointed it at a black man. Oh, yeah. Because when people ask questions where you get that black eye, oh, him. Oh, it was a black man. Yeah. I mean, we still see that today. You remember that runaway bride that happened a couple years ago? She cut off her own ear to get out of a wedding, and then she was all like, and they're like, oh, who, like, kidnapped you? And she's like, it was a black man. And that's all she said. I did not hear about that. You did not? Oh, yeah. It happened, like, early 2000s, and she, like, she basically just from a well, early 2000s is not a couple years ago. Excuse oh, me. Oh, I'm so sorry. I just thought since you're older, you. I remember. thought you meant a couple years ago, as in like, like. <laughs> Sometimes I still believe. Still post- early 2010. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, this was about 2008. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Well, that's not early, early, but it's yeah. not. It's not around like 2001 or anything. It's about late 20, like close to 2010. And so basically, uh, the wife disappeared, and then they found her. Her ear was cut off. Uh, she basically stated that it was an African-American, two African guys that, like, killed her, like, tried to kill her, kidnapped her, cut off her ear, and then it later came out that she didn't want to get married. She cut off her own ear, ran away, and then just made up this huge story just because she didn't want to get married. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, that was a little anecdote because we still yeah, see that uh, shit today. Damn. Yeah. No, the blame that the black guy. surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. That's really sad. Absolutely. But yeah, no, that's my mystery for the week because it's still unsolved. Yeah. And will probably be never. unsolved. We never yeah. probably will know. And this is something from 1911. So it's not so old. I mean, it's old, but it's not so old that, you know, it, I don't think it, it would be impossible to be solved. I mean, now it is given the circumstances. Yeah. But, you know, if, like you said, if it was white women or if they had wanted to solve it, they it would have been solved. Could've. It wasn't like, you know, something as obscure as something in the mid 1800s where, you know, if done well enough, nobody would ever find yeah. out. This was definitely a case of like, I'm going to do it and have this really overt pattern. And it's basically the police are like, we're just going to wait. And then if they would have sent a lot more people to do those night patrols, they probably would have seen something. Yeah. Or stop something. But well, the they people didn't. did see something, though. Like the woman who ran away and managed to. No, I'm talking them. about the cops could be able to see or like be oh, able to yeah. interfere with something, you yeah. know? But something. even then, when somebody did see something and, and reported it to the cops, they still couldn't, yeah. you know? But you have to care, man. Right? It's part <laughs> of the fucking job. Yeah. But anyway, that's my mystery. I like it. Well, thank I'm kind you. of angry about it, but like it. Right? It's maddening. It's <laughs> yes. fucking maddening. It pisses you off. It really does. Uh, and your but your history was fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, um, it was a. And was, any closing notes? Uh, let, send us an email. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, yeah. Instagram. Instagram. Follow us on all those. Please rate, review, subscribe, download. Email really helps. Send us an email. I will leave uh, email linked in the description of the podcast. Yeah. You can send us an email there. Uh, and just, it is historical and mysterious at gmail Historical spelled H Y S. Because just because wrong, um, and yeah, and uh, I believe it's and the the word and as well. Yes, correct? yeah, it's not gotcha. ampersand; it's the word and. And yeah, thank you for listening, you guys. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, and tell your friends about us. And Spread the word. Spread the good news. Yeah, and if you're in high school, go on strike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I think, yeah, it's a good closing message. I yeah, believe. it is a good closing message. Why don't I end the show? <laughs> what am I waiting for? <laughs> bye, guys. All right, bye. <laughs>